Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. So Jared Spencer is with Adept Packaging, and he's the latest guest on the People of Packaging podcast. Adept is doing some incredibly awesome things for the packaging industry uh, with packaging engineers and job placement and driving value and design and all sorts of cool things. They're applying technology. It's, it's really exciting to see what Adept's got going on and the role that Jared is playing in that. So I hope that you really get, learn a lot and that you can reach out to Jared from Adept. And this is my interview with him. All right. Well, I'm here with Jared Spencer. Jared is from Adept Packaging. Um, I have known Jared, I don't know, it's probably been a year or so. Yeah, about a year, year and a half. Okay, something like that. Uh, we've been on a few projects together and we've kind of kicked this around. Um, this idea of a podcast, you're going to introduce yourself, but you also have a podcast, correct? I do, yeah. So yeah, I started one about two years ago, um, kind of similar setup, uh, more around um, kind of focusing on sort of price movements in the market and understanding changes to the underlying packaging industry. Awesome. Yeah. Uh well, I'm ha- we need more. I, I've said this to as many people as I can. I actually had a call with a guy today who said, I've been thinking about starting a, po- a podcast on packaging. And I was like, do it. it I, it's like, and it was like, there was like trepidation. I'm like, I don't make any money on You're not competition. So we, we, we need to elevate the industry. We should have, my, my longstanding thing is that I listen to four podcasts about the Denver Nuggets. So yeah. I don't even know four packaging podcasts. I think... <laughs> I only saw one when I started, and it was basically just, I think, Packaging World, like, reading their articles. Yeah, I know that that, um, uh, Packaging Europe, so Tim Sykes hosts one over there. Um, I just saw that the uh, Association of Plastic Recyclers started one, so that's pretty cool. And then uh, my good friend, Avelio Matos, I said Avelio for a while, but Avelio Matos, uh, started uh, package design and box, which is super cool, and everybody should. I mean, it's there's there's no it's it's all collaboration in the podcast world. I think for for packaging. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, introduce yourself, podcast extraordinaire. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. I said I'm jealous of your setup there. I'm still rogue in, in my basement here. That's all right. It's um, all right. There's grace for everybody during these times. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, to Jared Spencer. Um, so I lead up um, within a depth group. We have four major divisions, uh, one of them being uh, value optimization, which is the, the team I lead up. Uh, we specifically kind of focus on, you know, margin improvement uh, across the packaging structure. So, you know, ultimately what that kind of really means is kind of take that McKinsey approach, um, really trying to understand where can we find efficiencies in, in purchasing, production, and delivery. We're usually starting with like a, a clean sheet process. So really, you know, bottom up build out of the cost structure, what are the costs of manufacturing and following that through. And what we've kind of seen and where I think we've got sort of a unique niche is, you know, we'll go to procurement and, you know, they might be buying this box really well, but we sort of challenge it. Well, are you buying the right box? Hmm. So we kind of bring in our, our design and engineering expertise. Adept is a company. We've just over a hundred engineers on staff. You know, how do we utilize all these engineers and really optimize the package from a con- the client perspective? 
and then go to procurement and say, you know, hey, this is the right material, this is the right spec, and then back into who's the right supplier. So we always joke, you know, you go to the corrugated manufacturer and you get a corrugated solution. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens, it happens to be the best solution is more corrugated. So really kind of like taking a step back from the client perspective and, and utilize our engineering to, to really drive, you know, overall you know, margin improvement. Yeah, what's the, the um, to, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it, and it's it, but it is really true. Um, and it's been maybe it was a point of frustration for me when I was just starting off in packaging. I was in procurement and sourcing, and the people that were really that are still people that I connect with uh, now, what is it, 13 years later, were people who really helped me understand when I was doing procurement that that they weren't the right fit, and that that there were maybe some other people. Or there was, you know, if it was a corrugated person, he's like, you know what, you actually don't want to probably be in corrugated for this. You might want to look at a folding carton or you might want to look at flexible packaging. That, those are people that, yeah, they, they kind of punted on, on an opportunity because I didn't know any better at the time. I probably been yeah. like, yeah, this seems like a good one. Okay. Um, but they punted on it. And now 13 years later, the amount of referrals and connections that I've been able to send over there has been well probably well paid for it so it's it's totally true um that uh, that that becomes really important and that's kind of the role that you guys play so that's awesome um, about adept but since this is not uh the uh companies of packaging podcast it's the people yeah of packaging so where do you live you know how did you get into this business did you just you came out of the womb and you were like i want to be in value optimization for packaging and that was your first word. Your first, first word, word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First word was ROI. Uh, yeah, exactly. That was more if you can't hack it, pack it. But <laughs> okay, got it, got it. No, so I my growing up, um, my next door neighbor was a uh, teacher, and she actually knew someone who went into packaging at RIT. So I grew up in upstate New York, um, just outside Rochester. Um, so you know, I was just talking to this, this teacher next door when I was in high school. She kind of told me about it and I, you know, I checked it out and it was kind of interesting of, you know, I think it's still, it's still, but you know, at the time RIT had a hundred percent job placement, mm -hmm. you know, the starting salaries were really well. Um, like this seems to make a lot of sense. So right. we really checked it out and, and just really liked it. So I'm, I'm a, you know, graduate from RIT um, in, in packaging. Nice. Um, I did my co-op in Rhode Island at Hasbro Toy Company. So okay. started kind of on the, the toy side, you know, fell in love with Rhode Island, um, ended up staying there. Um, actually, yeah, my first role was with Smurf at Stone back in the day yeah. um, as a corrugated sales rep. So my, my theory at the time was if I started in sales and failed, I could fall back in engineering. But if I sort of established an engineering career and then wanted to try sales, uh, you know, in my head, I was like, it's a riskier move going that way. Um, hmm and being established um, so that was a thought process so I, I started in sales um on the, the corrugated side worked at a sheet plant kind of goes back to what we started with you know I was really ingrained of everything should be corrugated and it was not for me um so from there i went to uh unisource or what was now verative yeah and, and mostly because i like the idea of being able to sell a solution and, and choose what's right for the client that's what drove right. me there and then, so I, I was there for a while, and interestingly enough, um, I was a bit of a, a rogue salesperson. Um, so I saw an opportunity to develop um, actually breast milk storage bags. So I ended up um, flying over to China. I literally booked a flight. I had no plans, nothing planned, just showed up. 
um, and set up an entire supply chain um, over a week. <laughs> just wow. Literally driving through China um, and, and started importing all, um, all these breast milk storage bags. And um, eventually it blew up. In, well, in a good way, volume just, just really exploded and I, I got in trouble. <laughs> you know, the senior management user found out there was this rogue sales rep. So they actually started the division out of um, Chandler, Arizona, the global group, and, and specifically built out a team. So for like the last 10 years um, of, of my veritative career, I was, I was focused um, on the global group. So brand owners based here in the States that, that manufactured overseas. Hmm. Um, so it's pretty extensive travel over there. You know, I would typically go, you know, 10, 12 times a year. Oh, you didn't live over there then? You were just... No, I would just, I would just com commute back and forth. Um, wow. Mostly like China, Taiwan, and, and Malaysia were like the big three. And a uh, little bit through Poland. Uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm China, thinking naturally, yeah. if you're going to be in <laughs> China, Taiwan, and South Korea, you should probably hit up Poland. Sneak in Poland there. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. so I, I did that for... 13 years. Um, okay. And then I think it's on a personal note, like, yeah, I um, end up getting a bunch of blood clots in my leg um, hmm. from, from traveling. So I always I joke, you don't have to spend a lot of time in a Malaysian hospital to, to rethink some life decisions. Um, I have four kids. Um, okay. So I've now found out I have um, a genetic disorder that makes me more susceptible. And I'm on medicine, it's fine. But um, and the other weird thing that, that happened that Malaysia flight that disappeared. Yeah. I was on that exact flight the week before. What? And I was like, I'm done. <laughs> so, oh so that's my why I gosh. So to switch uh, to adapt and, and kind of got out of the global, the global travel side. So between those two things, it was. Yeah, that totally would shake. Up. That would shake me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what am I doing? Yeah, there's only one red eye out of uh, Malaysia back into China. Wow. That, that flight. Yeah, I missed wow. about a week. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that yeah. would that would probably you know, send somebody into, uh, into some, some self-reflection between the hospital and the <laughs> yeah. flights disappearing. Wow. Yeah. Um, so then how did you get connected up with Adeptin? Where did you know of them before when you were? Yeah, so I knew a little bit, kind of my long-term goal was always kind of move into consulting. You know, the idea of consulting sounds good. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's good, but you know, I think the idea of, of that was, it was always attractive to me. I knew some people that worked there. Um, so I just spoken to them over the years. I was doing pretty well. I was doing really well as a selling commodities, but you know, like so pretty for a change of that. Um, so no, it just seemed like a really good opportunity, um, really fast growing company and um, yeah. you know, the ability to kind of influence kind of where we were going a bit was really attractive. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember when I was in uh, at Colorado State, which is where I went to college, uh, I was in a business management class. That was my focus. And they were going around asking everybody what they wanted to do. And I want to say 80% of the people said, I'm going to get into consulting. And, our, yeah. and my professor said something that, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something to, along the lines of, you have to do something first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, these kids were just like, like, what do you mean? Like, I can't be a 22 year old consultant right out of college. They're like, no, you have to figure out a, th a thing to do. Yeah. Like management consulting is a very, you know, it, it, there, there's a lot of people who do it. They don't just hire you at 22 to be a management <laughs> consultant necessarily. I'm sure yeah. there's the, there's the consulting doogie Hauser out there. Who's like, ah, I did it. But uh, yeah. yeah, it is. It's awesome though. Um, that, that one, you were able to realize the, what, what was valued um, 
yeah. you know, obviously your health is valuable and your family life is valuable. And, and then your life, when you start <laughs> reflecting through a plane disappearing in Malaysia. Um, yeah. And cool that you had an outlet uh, to go find at, at Adept. How long have you been at Adept? So I think next month will be uh, three years. All right. Yeah. So I've known you for half of your Adept life then is what we're... True, yeah. All right, we'll stick with that. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. Um, and, and so you started in, as, you were, as you were talking about uh, your introduction and what what your the group that you lead up at Adept. So you mentioned four. So you are in the value optimization group, and I want to dig into that. But what are the other three uh, groups at Adept? Yeah, so there's uh, Adept Packaging, kind of like our legacy consulting business. That's a, a mix of um, they're probably split, probably pretty evenly, fifty fifty between life science and what we call CPG, which really is anything non life science. Yeah. Um, that's where it's it's combination of you know strategic consulting projects to to staffing. You know we've got you know ma major clients that we've got ten, twelve, fifteen people on site, mm -hmm. or like the like contingent labor, um, in like product support, project management support, all the way through, um, you know like sustainability projects. Um, we do a lot of spec work, spec optimization. Okay, uh, a wide range of sort of packaging support. So almost packaging engineers on demand, if you will. Really supplemental support or if you need like um, SMEs or just even you know regular work okay ebbs and flows of that so that, that's that packaging um, we have a Deb digital which is our um, connected packaging group so anything track and trace serialization smart packaging um, anything in that connected world um, we're doing some seed to sale systems for for cannabis at, like the state level mm -hmm. oh through the, the sort of that RFID and the, the different different ways to kind of track packaging and the group in there, they're almost more it than, than packaging. Sure. Both combination, but a lot more of the, the technical, technical packaging, if you will. Okay. Then we have adept talent, which is, um, we also hire quite a few in internally, uh, engineers. So we're actively hiring, um, all the time. I mean, packaging people are looking for a job, short plug. I think we have 15 openings at the moment. Um, okay. So, and, and that is, and maybe you're going to describe it, but that would be, if you're a packaging engineer and you're looking for a job, they can go to Adept Talent and you're connecting up almost like a, a recruiting so service. Yeah, so it's both. So, we, so Adept Group as a whole, well, I think we have about 15 openings. Got it. For working for Adept. And then we also, for clients, um, if a company wants to hire an, an engineer, we act as a third-party recruiter. Okay. We've got some really good connections throughout the industry. Yeah. You know, the recruiter has been doing it. I think 11 or 12 years now. Um, so she knows just about everyone right? in that space. So, so it's a combination of placing people at clients directly where they would work directly for those companies or through Adept. Yeah. One of our business units. And what I think it, it really probably shows is the, the, the breadth of the packaging industry as a whole that you are, you know, you're one company and, and, you know, you're talking about, track and trace and and you know uh you're talking about life sciences and cpg companies and staffing and digital and rfid and you know serialization and cost optimization you know the amount of pieces within a a company that that has to interact with i mean you've you've talked about finance you've talked about it you've talked about hr you talk about marketing creative sales Supply chain. supply chain, procurement. I mean, it just, it's, I think it just, it's one of those things that nobody, it's like a little secret ninja 
yeah. inside of a business that nobody really realizes until somebody looks up and they're like, wait a second, packaging. I was going to say it's like a disease, but maybe it's a bad time <laughs> to say that. It's, yeah, but it's, you know, it just kind of creeps in everywhere. And all of a sudden you're like, we're all talking about packaging. This is crazy. Yeah, no, we, we always joke about that internally of, you know, we're sort of this like hidden force, you know, we're like, you know, hidden behind these big brands that are driving these, these major substantial changes just kind of in the background, you know, kind mm -hmm. of executing that. It doesn't yeah. always get the visibility. It's, you know, I think as we're working on these, these podcasts, I mean, we see it, I'm sure you see it too, you know, like packaging's a lot of times, you know, last of thought, you know, it's like, oh, oh yeah, a great product. And then it's like, oh, wait, we ship in a month. <laughs> how are we going to, how are we going to get it through? So, yeah, so it was cool. kind of move that up. With I, uh, uh, earlier, I did an interview with with Alex Reed from Truman's, and the thing that I thought was so cool about what they did is they kind of started with, I mean, they, they didn't start with packaging, but packaging was at the front end of their thought process as creating a valuable experience and solving supply chain concerns and solving sustainability issues. It was really neat how they how yeah. they brought it in at the forefront as part of their solution, not just oh. We have this great product. How are we going to get it to somebody? Which sadly, you you probably experience it more than I do. But sadly, is something that does happen. And it, it yeah. you know, I've I've always thought it's interesting whenever I've been dealing with a project, which is somebody comes to me and is like, I I need this done in two weeks, and I'm like, well, how long have you known about the project? Six months. Yeah, we could have been working on it for the last six months. You know what I mean? Like instead we're yeah. going to throw something together that can be done in two weeks so you can meet your retailer's demand, which is really yeah. sad that we have to do that because you could probably sell a lot more products if you just involve packaging early. It doesn't even have to be the supplier, just an engineer, or, you know. Somebody had yeah, any consumer research or, you know, half the time you're buying the package, you know. You, yeah. You don't really see what's in it, or so. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting how I, I think it's getting better. I, I've definitely seen a trend of where we're getting involved earlier and earlier. Yeah. Uh, we, we've had some experiences too. Um, if we can get in early enough, they can redesign the, the product to help with potential packaging and distribution issues. Right. Damage. You know, there's some things that you can do through FEA to understand. Hey, just if you can tweak this on the product side, it's a lot cheaper to fix than trying to band-aid it with, a, you know, a ton of protective packaging. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting if, if you do get the right alignment, it can get up early enough, you know, the value packaging can, can kind of drive the system. Yeah. And is that kind of, so that's really where your group focuses. You talked about value optimization. So you want to be brought in, um, I don't want to say early because maybe some of it is reactive where you're looking at what already exists. I would venture to guess probably more often than not, this is what you guys already have. And, and we're going to do an analysis of, of everything with you and bring you guys almost as a, as a consultative partner on, Hey, this yeah. is really what I, what, what you need to be done. And you don't have a dog in the fight either way, because you know, yeah. like you said, you're, it's, you're not, you're not the, you're not smart. Made material and supply agnostic, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It really doesn't matter who they they buy from, yeah. But we yeah, we we typically get brought in starting, you know, it's around existing, you know, where we sort of play the most. I would say is, you know, um, the camera's not going to hit their goals. We get pulled in a lot, so you know, we we never get the softballs. But you know, if there's like an issue, hey, they're not going to get their goals this year. They sort of need to think creatively, or, or you know, if they lose, especially now with COVID, you know, a lot of a lot of companies are losing volume. 
mm -hmm. so sort of losing those traditional levers to, to pull in the suppliers. So if your volume is dropping and you need cost savings, yeah, it's a challenging discussion to have with, with your suppliers of, hey, I know we're a fraction of what we were and I can't really tell you where we're going, but I need better pricing. So, yeah. so yes, we typically get brought in to sort of find opportunity. And then as these relationships evolve, and certainly that's when we'll potentially loop in those other groups of adept as well. If, hey, like I said, instead of being reactive, how do we get more analytical? How do we get proactive and sort of learn up front to, to put better systems and processes in place? Yeah. My, uh, my dad um, kind of gave me this little nugget when I was in high school. And it wasn't, he wasn't original to him. I think it was a military thing. And he called it an OODA loop, O-O-D-A, which is observe, orient, decide, act. And that, yeah. uh, you know, everyone's always going through this, this processing. And it seems like that's a little bit about what you guys do. You come in and you have to make your observations first, and then you have to orient everything around, you know, from product to materials to how is it sitting on a pallet? Can you optimize the pallet? So you have to orient all of that and then help them make decisions. And then is it incumbent upon them? Are you out at that point where you're like, here's our, this is what we think. And so it's up for you if you want to act on it, or if you don't, but our role is to get you to a point of action and then we can help you facilitate that. Is that sort of where you're at? Uh, it, it sort of depends, you know, yeah, a lot of companies just are looking for the concepts and the, you know, we validate them out. Like you said, you know, really, we usually start with like literally procurement data, you know, get an ERP plugin right, right to their purchasing um, system that they use. And we start with sort of that data. We sort of normalize it and categorize it. Um, and, and kind of like I said, we look at opportunities across the board from not just packaging procurement, you know, could they be physically buying better? And then we you typically, you know, start biggest opportunity first, mm -hmm. typically is how it works, just making the biggest impact to, to start. And that's typically either the, the most expensive or, you know, highest volume or some, some sort of combination of that. Or, or if they're seeing issues, you know, in terms of, we do a lot of, um, you know, like warranty remediation or, you know, if there's damage that's causing some, some costs on the back end. Um, and then, yeah, so we sort of identify what, what makes sense to go after first. And like I said, we look at everything. It's like, it's a full clean sheet, um, of the production process all the way through all the different steps internally and externally. Um, and like, so we, we typically see, you kind of talked about like power patterns, you know, logistics savings is, is huge. And it's, I think that's for packaging people to be looped into logistics and have a, relationship there that seems to be a, an issue at a lot of companies where there's such a disconnect so we've seen a ton of projects where we're like hey your packaging is going to go up 10 percent, but you're going to save 60 percent overall on logistics savings and handling and it's it sometimes it's a really really hard sell you know because ultimately if they don't have responsibility don't get credit for certain things they, they don't always move through but it, it's incredible how much you know, packaging can, can affect supply chain and, and, and trucks and it's huge. We, about 60% of total savings we see is, is through logistics. Oh, okay. That was going to be my question is what, yeah, about 60%. what's, what's the, if, if you could give a free, a free nugget to everybody, uh, yeah. that's something to kind of take away. So you're saying it's, it's maximizing using packaging to maximize logistics and that that is really where, um, where they can see their, the, the biggest bang for the buck on costs, right? Yeah, but certainly a combination. That's certainly a big bucket for sure. I mean, you look at, I mean, truck costs are fixed for the most part. You know, if you can get more on a truck safely, mm -hmm. it's a pretty clean, easy win. Yeah. 
it can be complicated into that. Like, so we, we do a lot around, you know, custom supply chain testing, you know, analyzing what, you know, a lot of people obviously use ISTA and, and different ISTA standards, but, you know, can you develop custom profiles to each client and, and really dial that in? It's a unique opportunity in hmm. really understanding what the actual supply chain looks like. Is that where um, something like flexible packaging uh, maybe comes into comes into place? You talk about you know it, it tends to be maybe a little bit more expensive, um, but it, from a logistics standpoint, you know I haven't even really thought about this before to be honest with you. But from a logistics standpoint, the finished goods you can probably fit significantly more on on a truck. Um, yeah. Well, you think about it too, if you think pouches, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll see a lot of times I just stack them in. It's like, well, if you can rotate every other one, you know, 180, you can get more in a box. You know, so twice as much, yeah. It can be as simple as that of, you know, they might just be dropping them in, not even thinking, hey, is there a different way to, to pack these out? But no, for sure. No, I think, on, I mean, Flexible has a, has a ton of opportunity to sort of disrupt that space. I mean, obviously, you know, there's some challenges around that. In, sure. In but, but no, for sure. And I think that's part of that being able to look at the total true, like, you know, total, total landed costs sort of the end to end. Yeah. Life cycle, cost life cycle. It's really interesting kind of flushing that out. And like I said, there's different buckets. So to get total buy-in, you got to ha- usually have pretty high level, like CEO, CFO level sort of guiding this because like I said, somebody needs to be like, I know packaging budget's going up, but we're going to see it over here. Right. Yeah. Someone's got to have a whole, uh, a, a higher end view than just yeah. this. You you only control this buyer. part of the PNL. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, and yeah. and uh, the the interesting part about that is so I I've I've kind of been toying around with the idea of sustainability and being in these four sustainable buckets. And I mentioned this a couple times on the podcast. So sorry yeah. if you've heard this a bunch. No, no, no. But, I, sustainability <laughs> always gets me wound up. I, I love it. But the thing, the thing that like the least sexy part about sustainability is I say, it's got to be good for your profit. And it's like, uh, you know, it's almost like the air, cause everyone wants to talk these grandiose ideas about the materials and, you know, the carbon footprint. And those are great conversations to have. Um, and then, but whenever I bring in the, the profitability side of it, and I don't just mean your cost is going to go down. They have yeah. to run their own, their own value proposition on, is it, are we going to sell more products because millennials are, and Gen Z are uh, representing more of the market and there's much more of a causality in marketing. They can run those and I don't, I can't give them that. But, but this idea that it has to, you know, it has to make, it has to make dollars and has to make sense. Um, yeah. Is, so is why not you, it's the only green that matters is, is the dollar. <laughs> you know, it's, that's pretty, that's a good one. I really, it really drives it. And it's, I mean, I think we're getting there in terms of, you know, cost neutral. It's getting there. I think we can talk about sustainability too, but it's such a gray area too. Yeah. But you're talking about sustainability when you're talking about maximizing logistics and freight that is sustainable. That is sustainability. It's just not the sustainability that I think people, they're not used to that framework around it. The least sustainable thing you can do is is ship damaged product. Yeah. You know, if you throw it away when at the other end, or if you've got, you know, a washing machine that's broken and, you know, that's the least sustainable thing. So, right. So I think, yeah, it's finding that balance of obviously product protection. And, you know, if you're talking shelf life on on food and and different things, but yeah, you've got to protect the product or none of it matters. Right. Right. That's so true. 
Um, so you're looking at the, you're, we're in the middle of this thing. And, and I think this is, it's a little bit of an unfair question because anybody who says, I know what the world's going to look like after the, after we kind of emerge from COVID, I think is really fooling themselves, but it's an interesting place to take yourself to sort of prognosticate on this idea of, well, what, what is the packaging industry going to look like how are we it's very it's a very shifty industry like we talked about it's kind of ebbing and flowing within a company but it also sort of ebbs and flows it's 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 pretty reactive um to to the market um so what are you maybe feeling and sensing uh given the fact that you guys have such a breadth of products at adept in total but then yourself and value optimization what are some things that you're seeing in the industry that maybe some people should be prepared for yeah, I think I think short term, and I guess we can debate what that means. But I think right. short term sustainability is going to take a hit. I think it's going to be deprioritized. You know, ultimately, um, I think it's going, to, it's going to take a step back in, in terms of kind of that big push for more sustainable from a pure like a material from like the classic sort of uh, aspect of a sustainability. Right. I think um, you know we're certainly seeing more e-commerce. You know. E-commerce certainly, I think, is only going to expand. I think people are getting very comfortable ordering online. And, you know, if you weren't before, you know, groceries are showing up. Uh, you know, there's, you don't really need to leave your house unless you want to. So, right. you know, I, I think there's obviously some challenges there. I think a lot of companies are, are very unprepared for the reality of e-commerce. You know, what that means, not only just from a packaging, but, but you know, fulfillment and, and the, mm-hmm. the changes there. I think what also is kind of interesting, what will come out of this, when you look at, especially in like the food side, um, you know, they talk about these food shortages. Like there's, there's not a shortage of cows, right? Like we, we didn't lose any cows to COVID. Yeah. The issue is, you know, all these restaurants were buying in different case counts. You know, they were buying bulk. And there isn't really much flexibility in the system to switch over. So the, the factory that was making blocks of meat couldn't quickly shift over to, you know, consumer-sized portions. So a lot of that shortage in the market was just really was a packaging issue. Yeah. You know, they couldn't switch over fast enough to, to what consumers wanted. And we're kind of even seeing that on, you know, the, the bigger food companies of the world, you know, they've minimized the number of SKUs, so, you know, so instead of having 20 different kinds of Oreos, you know, they, they focused, all right, this is our best seller. We're just going to knock out, you know, mm-hmm. one SKU and, and get the volume out. So, so I think there's, there's going to be a, you know, short term also of, you know, if that's skew rationalization, you know, where, where they optimize in production and then obviously how that impacts through the packaging side. But really, yeah, the, I think that's been a huge flaw on the packaging side is that flexibility it wasn't there. And that's really what drove all those, those shortages. Yeah. And it's, it's super insightful too, thinking about if you are in, uh, you know, there, if you're in packaging production, like the company that I work for at Fortis, um, you know, there's there. I think we're going to see that skew reduction. I don't think that's going to be just short term. Um, yeah. I think we're going to start to see, uh, and it's going to it's going to be a bit of a top down pressure from a lot of the the retailers who are scratching and clawing. And I mean, some of them are doing really fine, but yeah. you know, there's going to be some who are really going to be scratching and clawing for every everything that they can in a shrinking market. Uh, as however we recover out of this 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 recession. Um, and so they're going to have to focus in and be like, we got to kick that one. We got to kick that one. Um, and so I'm interested to follow the repercussions of that 
there's been this trend, a, a very awesome trend towards digital, and mm -hmm. because of because of the high skew pro proliferation. And so, what what might happen with that? I don't know. I, I'm not a. I don't have a like a prophetic leaning or anything. It's just yeah. a thing to to follow. Yeah. No. I, I mean, digital is certainly going to come around. Obviously, the technology's gotten a lot better. The quality. Oh yeah. You know, as a consumer, awesome. you know, we have these conversations. You know, so people are like, oh. We, we can't use the digital and I'm like if I were to put two up here and you didn't know in, in reality could you really tell a difference especially right. you really some interesting discussions around that but you know as that technology gets better as you know those price points have come down to you know you certainly know more of that of you know I think it's less of a premium as more people add the capability so it's not necessarily yeah. as unique which is which is good I think overall in that getting sort of market adaptation to it but yeah for I, sure. yeah I think the flexibility, I think, is going to be sort of as you look back from a packaging perspective. That was probably one of the biggest risks. Um, you know, supply chain risk. You know, you know, throughout this, you know, when I you saw some of those news reports where you know initially they said you know COVID can last on corrugated for 24 hours. In my head, I was thinking, oh, you know, I I should be good and you know either put it in my garage for 24 hours or, or scrub it down. But from a I think from a production point of view, what it meant for a lot of people is they had to sit boxes on their trucks for 24 hours before they're allowed to ship in. Hmm. It's a ripple down effect of, you know, I was thinking as a consumer, I was like, Oh, I should be careful. It might be on there. But from a production point of view, you know, like the food company doesn't want the risk. So if you're making right. a box, you have to sit on it for 24 hours in a secure location to clear it out before you can deliver in. You lose some of that just in time. And I really, I think it's exposed a lot of supply chain issues. Yeah. Oh, for a hundred percent. Well, so we've talked about a little bit with some of these problems. So I like, I like to ask this magic wand question. I haven't asked it every time, but I find it to be kind of fascinating. Um, yeah. So, so you're, you're handed the, the golden scepter, the golden magic wand of the entire packaging industry. And it's a broad question, but it's intentionally broad. Uh, yeah. So what's, what's one, or, you know, you can pick a, you know, pick a couple of things that you say, like, I yeah. just wish I could fix this. Just get, get rid of this part of, of packaging? I think, so like I said, on the sustainability side, this is at my, before I get myself in trouble, this is Jared Spencer's personal opinion, not, sure. <laughs> not adapt groups. On the sustainability side, really, I think it's, it's really interesting. Um, and I think you and I can have a good discussion, especially on like films. You know, there's so much misinformation out there and I'm a true believer. I was at a, I gave a speech actually at a sustainability conference. In, in the middle of the sustainability conference, the, the host, like the actual facility, stopped us and made an announcement that please stop throwing out the recyclable products. You put them in the wrong bins. And I'm like, we are packaging people, yeah. sustainability people at a sustainability conference, and we were physically recycling wrong. You know, and it's like, well, we can't figure it out. And we're, we apparently care and at this event specifically for this. Like, how do we expect, you know, the consumer to do this? You know, like the consumer is not going to figure it out if it's complicated. You know, you look at some of these pouches, you know, you know, my kids ask me all the time, is this recyclable? You know, they don't know. It looks right. like it should be, but you know, maybe it's not. So, you know, I, especially in the film world, I would say, you know, as we get in these, these complicated structures and multi-layer structures, you know, can we get to single structure film? You know, I think you can, you know, I would say there's some challenges and balance there. Um, so like, like I said, around like a lot of false claims are misleading, 
yeah plants around like compostable compostable is the whole world of shenanigans in my opinion yeah it's getting better you know when I mean, you look at some of this stuff it's got the chemicals in it that have no half-life you know and it's like is it actually better um yeah it's a great it, i'll tell you a funny story about that uh i have a really similar story to you and it involves compostable not recyclable and i think i've told this story before so i was at uh, a conference in salt lake city and salt lake city is dubbed the silicone slopes um because we have a really amazing tech community here um and and it's really cool to watch so they do this tech summit every year and this past year um i mean it, it is the smartest people from like mark zuckerberg was the keynote speaker it's very high level you know tech people and really impressive job so very smart people so similar to what you're talking about we're at this packaging sustainability thing and i'm walking around and they um the water cups were all the eco product uh, PLA water cups, sort of free water. And I'm walking around and every bin, it had uh, trash and it had recycling. And every bin was overflowing with these water cups to recycle. And I'm like, no, you cannot recycle these water cups. They're not yeah. going to. And the problem, it's not just this annoyance. Like you start to really, you, you follow yeah. the trail all the way down and you start talking to people in recycling and material reclamation and all these things. And they're like, it is a disaster that people don't like, we are yeah. awful initiators of the recycling supply chain as individuals. We're really, yeah. really bad at it. And, um, and I just thought this is how fascinating is this? And I started asking people, why, are, why would you like, what is it that you think about this cup that made you put it in there? Well, it says compostable. And I'm like, these are the smartest people in my state. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't blame them because I yeah. probably would have thought the same thing. I see it, it's green. It's got leaves on it. It says compostable. And what have I been trained to think? Reduce, reuse, recycle. And I, the three R's. And so I just drop it in there. And so it's, I totally agree um, that I, I might have a different magic wand, but that would be like close to like number yeah. two. Like I just want to educate everybody. So that yeah. we can make everything clean. That would be a that would be a great yeah. waving. And like own it if it's not recyclable, and tell me the benefits why, and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm my personal belief is you know extended producer responsibility. It's very unpopular. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that to me is the ultimate. Until that happens, I don't think any meaningful change is actually going to happen in the, the United States. Oh man, we could have a whole other conversation <laughs> about extended producer responsibility. But I think it's a great it's a great concept. So um, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I like it. That would be a whole other episode. Yeah. So cool deal. Well, how do people get in touch with you? Um, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, yes, I want, I don't know anybody by the way, who's like, you know what my job is at this company is I need to, I need to spend more money on packaging yeah. that I've been hired, <laughs> hired with the express responsibility of increasing our cost of goods sold. So uh, hopefully there's a lot of people who are in procurement, um, who are like, yeah, I would love, I would love to engage with these guys and see if they can help me out. So what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, and, uh, and just engage with adept as a whole. Yeah. So I mean, in general our website, you know, adeptpackaging.com is probably the, the easiest way in general. Um, you know, certainly it shows the different segments that we talked about. There's a, you know, contact us on LinkedIn, you know, my email is just jared.spencer at adeptpackaging.com. But Fairly easy to find to find out there, but no, absolutely. You know, like I so said, we're definitely seeing the 
the priority of cost savings has, has really shifted in the last couple of months. It's been really interesting. Um, as this sort of pandemic's gone on, it's certainly becoming more and more of a priority. Yeah, yeah, I can I can only imagine it's not going to go away for a while for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, Jared, thanks a ton uh, for finally making this happen. Yeah. Uh, and appreciate you being on and hopefully some people can reach out adeptpackaging.com and uh, I'll put some LinkedIn and your email in the show notes and all that stuff. So uh, stay safe and appreciate you being on. Uh, thanks everyone.